0: Welcome to the Harbor Church Podcast. Harbor is here to connect people with Jesus and with each other. If you're looking to get connected, you can find more info at harborchurch.com. Now here's this
1: week's message from Pastor Josh. Well, good morning Harbor Church and welcome to another Sunday online. And uh, we are outside again. It was so beautiful last week and today is another gorgeous day. I thought, man, why not just uh, preach outside? Uh, John and Kimberly Rockness have graciously allowed me to use their yard. Uh, to film today, and it's gorgeous and uh, makes me really, really wish that I knew how to take care of my yard. But uh, it's also a great setting just to celebrate what God's doing and to continue on in our series today. If you've never joined us before, uh, my name is Josh Adams. I'm the pastor of Harbor Church, and I'm so glad that you're with us this morning. We uh, started a series last week called Disconnect, and uh, disconnected in the idea is that sometimes we don't really feel a part of the things that God's called us to be a part of. Especially right now with quarantine, we feel so distant from uh, other people. We feel as if though we, we can't really be a part of something, and that's not true. Whether you get to be with them physically or not, God has called you and designed you to be a part of a family, to be a part of maybe a workplace, a neighborhood, definitely a, a church body. And so I want to encourage you in that. Last week, we looked at the story the prodigal son, and that takes place in chapter 15 of the book of Luke. And so we're going to pick that up. We didn't read the entirety of that story. Here's what I want you to understand, because uh, maybe you didn't get to watch last week's message. Uh, If you get a chance, please go back and check that out. I think it helps you understand the story better. But even if you haven't heard that story, um, what happens in Luke chapter 15 is Jesus is hanging out with a bunch of people, he's trying to show them some love, trying to bring them into a relationship with God. And uh, because he's being nice to these people, and these weren't like normal people; these people were tax collectors, prostitutes, um, people who the rest of society had looked down on. And what uh, what he does is he goes to a party with them. And I mean, they're probably bikers. Uh, I mean, there was all kinds of people that uh, were at this party that the Pharisees didn't like. There's the, the Pharisees were the religious people of the day. They didn't like Jesus hanging out with sinners and, and bad people. And Jesus is like, what is your guys' problem? And, this is what, and, and so like, I didn't read this last week, but in, re, in, in verses 1 and 2 of, of chapter 15, it says, Tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach. This made the Pharisees and the teachers of religious law complain that he was associating with such sinful people even eating with them. And that was a big deal to break bread with somebody that was a known sinner. Jesus, because Jesus loves people and he's trying to teach the Pharisees that they don't really love the way that they're supposed to, he says, let me tell you a couple stories. And so in the first, uh, the first few verses there, verses one and two is what I just read, in verses three through 10, he tells them the story of a lost sheep and then the story of a lost coin. And then in verses 11, Uh, through 32, the next 22 verses, Jesus tells the story of what's called the prodigal son or the lost son. Um, Sometimes it's called the loving father, Uh, but it's also known as the story of the two brothers. And what we did last week is we just read uh, the younger brother's story of how he walked away. And that's just the part of the story that most people know. This younger brother, leaves home he takes all of his dad's money and uh, he cashes in and he goes to a pagan land and he lives it up he buys friends he you know rents it this awesome place to live and all these things but then when his money runs out a famine comes he starts starving and so after a few years of living wild he has to go back to his dad he's starving he goes back to his dad he begs for forgiveness and you're not sure if his dad will be mad at him or maybe just make him a servant but the part that we read was the dad looks, sees his son walking down the driveway, runs to him, hugs him, embraces him. And it was this beautiful picture of a parent loving a child. And so last week on the Disconnected series, we we talked about the idea of parents and kids. Today, we're looking at the prodigal son's brother, his older brother. And we're looking at that response and how two brothers kind of also can teach us something about being connected. And uh, brothers, siblings, maybe you don't have a brother, maybe you have a sister, um, but siblings, that, that relationship, very dynamic. Uh, I kind of want to speak on that. And if you're sitting there going, well, I don't have a brother, I don't have a sister, I'm an only child, um, or my relationship with my siblings is, is very broken. This message is still for you because I think it applies to your friendships. It might pl- apply to some of your workplaces. I think it applies to our churches and people inside the church. They tell us to call one another brothers and sisters uh, from the idea that we're all part of the same family of God. Regardless of what relationship we're talking about, the thing that we see with these two brothers gives us a chance to learn how to be more connected. And uh, (coughs) James 5.16 tells us to confess our sins one to another. So if we're going to confess our sins one to another, I thought it'd be cool to have a video where we, uh, you know, we get some siblings to confess some things one to another, and we called it sibling confessional. Uh, enjoy this. Hi everyone, I'm Megan, and this is my sister
2: Lindsay and my brother Michael.
1: <laughs> uh, Megan, we, uh, Lindsay, and I have
2: a confession to make. Um, when we were younger, we stuffed all your stuffed animals down the heating vent, um in uh, Lindsay's bedroom to be fair we thought they were traveling from the bedroom to the basement and we could collect them there we told our dad um but 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 we we lied to mom for a full day and told her that it was actually megan that did it <laughs> <What>? <laughs> guys
3: <laughs> um when we were growing up i found a medical book that talked about classical conditioning <laughs> and so i would hide in the bathroom in the shower and angle the cabinet mirror to face the shower where I was hiding. So that when Grace would look up from washing her face or brushing her teeth, I'd pull the shower curtain back so that she would see me just standing there to scare still her. check behind the curtain now. Yeah, it's part of her routine now and it's my fault. <sighs> When I was younger, and Maddie used to leave like candy or something in our room, I used to take pieces little by little. So she thought she was going crazy, but it was
2: just me eating it.
3: I didn't eat it
2: fast. That is me.
3: (laughs) My life is a whole lot.
2: So Billy,
0: yes, call you today to confess something. Um, in fourth grade, I had a boyfriend. Mario Oliveros. Um, and for my birthday, he gave me a Beanie Baby. So
1: for his birthday, I stole your chain necklace and gave it to him. <laughs> <laughs> I never told you. <laughs>
3: you were mad about it at the time.
1: <laughs> you just
3: stole it from my room? I road? just took it. I just
0: took it and gave it to him. <laughs> And I never ever told you. Uh... I didn't...
1: I... Didn't, did I think
0: I lost it? Like, I don't even remember that. I think so. I think you were just like, where it go? And you're all mad about it, but assumed you had just left it somewhere. And I was like, what could have happened?
1: I don't know. Uh, you little brat.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> this is my brother Judson. Um, he is the pastor of Cape Faith Church in Osterville, uh, just down the road. And uh, he's my younger brother. I probably look younger, but, um, this is my younger brother and, uh, he's, uh, he's been on the Cape now for a few years, right? Yeah. Two a couple years. years, couple of years. And, uh, how much older am I than you? Like a year, at least 10. It's like three guys. It's like three, maybe four. So I've asked my brother to come as part of this, uh, interaction. As far as, you know, confessions go, uh, man, I think I did everything right by you. I don't know that I ever did anything wrong that I would need to confess to you, but, um, you know, I do, uh, you know, I probably don't tell you that I love you enough. So uh, there, there's that. And I, and I do love you.
2: And I, and I love you too. But if we're going to confess, there there is one thing. Okay. Do you remember that air hat you lost when you were like 12? Yeah. I threw it in the creek.
1: Why would you I don't, throw I don't know hat. why I threw it in I the creek. I that hat. I know. I didn't
2: know it was yours. I just saw a hat there and I'm like, I wonder if it floats. And I threw it in the creek. And then you were looking for it forever. And I just couldn't tell you that I did that. But I felt like now it's a good time to tell you
1: I don't even know if I want to do this with you. Oh, whatever, whatever. Um, So siblings, many of you know what it's like. Now, here's the cool thing I heard about siblings is as much as we uh, you might find a spouse, as much as you might love your parents, it's your siblings that actually know you the most and the longest. I mean, it's those people that grow up with you as a kid. I mean, I, I love Kaylee and I know you love Robin. Um, but our wives only met us after we were grown. We've known each other. I mean, I've known you your whole life. um it's 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 a beautiful opportunity to have a healthy relationship with a sibling. Um, but uh, not that's not always true. I know a lot of you have strained relationships with your brothers and sisters. but what uh, what I would recommend is that you you work on mending some of those. And so today's story uh, kind of gives us an idea of how to how to fix and mend some of our relationships. I already read to you the beginning, Jesus tells a story about a lost sheep and then a lost coin. Then he tells the story about the lost son. In the first two stories, when the sheep is found and when the coin is found, there's this great rejoicing. But then in this last story, and Jesus takes more verses, he uses 22 verses to tell the story of the of the lost son. Um, when he gets to the point of the son coming back, in the other stories, it was all party and all celebration. And in this one, it says, and this is this is kind of where I want you guys to see, uh, verse 25 it says, meanwhile, the older son was in the fields working. And when he returned from home, he heard the music and the dancing in the house. And so I think it's uh, what would be fun is, is I, I know as a pastor, you've preached out of this. Um, and this this passage has so much great content. But I thought we could share two, a couple different perspectives. I'll take the older brother's perspective, okay? And as an older brother, I know what it's like to have a screw up, lazy, take credit for everything I do right, and just... Live off of all of my hard work, kind of younger brother. I'm not saying that's Judd. I could be talking about our younger brother, Joey, but I just, I know what that's like. I can say I can feel this older brother's pain. Now, if we're honest, like this older brother comes back and it says from working. He was out in the fields working. Home Slice is getting cows on his hands. He's sweating. He comes back and then what does he find? his lazy younger brother, who has been gone partying, this guy's been out partying, the guy cashed in on his inheritance, left me hanging with all of the work to do, and he goes out and parties. And then he comes back and wants to have a party at home because he came back. I haven't had a party yet, and I'm working hard. Of course, we can see that this would cause some dissension. We can see from the older brother's perspective, this would be a, a hard reunion.
2: And I get that. You know, as the older brother, you would have this kind of perspective on it. You know, can, can you imagine an older brother thinking that they've done all the work? I mean, everything that's ever been done, they did. And it was always the best. And no one could ever come up to that. I mean, think about the younger brother, the prodigal position here. You know, I know when you called and asked me to do this, you were like, hey, you want to come and do the prodigal son with me? And I'm like, oh, he's typecasting me. Okay, well, you know, I'll just embrace it. But but seriously, the older hey, brother... If the, if the shoe fits. That's true. You've got to wear it. So, um, But... But the older brother, thinking that he's the one, you know, he does all the work. And the younger brother here, like, he's, he's never going to live up to the older brother's expectations. That's always going to be mom and dad's favorite because he's the oldest. Especially in this time because he's going to get two-thirds of the inheritance. The younger brother's not even going to get nearly as much as the older brother just because he's the younger brother. Yeah. And so there's that feeling of, well, he's the older brother. He's going to get the bigger inheritance. He always does what's right. He's the hard worker. He's the favorite. And just because I was born second means that I don't get as much, that I don't get as much recognition. You're, he's going to be the patriarch of the family, and I'm not going to be that. So I think there's a lot of of jealousy and resentment that that younger brother probably had towards the older brother.
1: I see that a lot. I mean, I know for you and Joey, you're jealous that I got all the muscles and the good looks, and uh, you guys got the leftovers. And I understand where there would be jealousy, there would be comparison. That makes sense, and this is also why I love having my little brother uh, preach on this, but truthfully... Um, I think we all see this and we're all guilty of this too. We play the victim, I'm the victim. I, if I had just been born taller, if I had had a richer family, if I had if I had uh, had, had that job or if I had, you know, like we, we all love to compare, we all love to see how we fall short. We love to see how much greener the grass is on the other side and just look at that. And that's that's our first point. I think if you're gonna understand the disconnect that comes between siblings, the disconnect that comes between you and your friends or, or, or whoever whatever relationship might be struggling, I believe this and that it's comparison will lead to resentment. If we allow ourselves to compare against other people, like I said, the grass is always greener on the other side. The so-and-so has more than I had. If, if I had just had this different, if I would just been born differently, all the things that we love to compare ourselves against others, if if we do that, it shouldn't surprise us that we have resentment in our families, resentment in our workplaces, resentment in our marriages. Oh, if you have this and you had that, or you grew up with this, or you didn't you didn't have all the hardship that I had. Those kind of things really really begin to tear apart and cause us to be disconnected. So if you want to find reconnection with some of the people, um, you gotta you gotta learn to let go of some of that resentment and some of that comparison. Yeah. Um, so let's go on. Let's go on with the story.
2: Well, you know, verses twenty six and twenty seven. They state, and he asked one of the servants, what was going on? Your brother is back. He was told, and your father has killed the fattened calf. And we are celebrating because of his safe return.
1: So we see this party. All right. Um, The party that's happening. And and I, I, I get this because there, there was a party in the first two stories. Is Jesus trying to tell us that the party is what matters or just that there's a reason to party?
2: Well, I think he's given us the why here. Like, why is the father so excited? Why is the father celebrating? And you see that really happens in all three of these parables in this chapter. I mean, verse number seven, it tells us, in the same way, there is more joy in heaven when one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and and haven't straight away. Like, the father is so excited. The father's joy is so evident that he's willing to go out and he's going to have not just a little like meet and greet. Like this is going to be the biggest party that this town has seen in a long time. I mean, get out the lights, get out the the fancy robes, get out every nice thing that we have. The lost son has come home and we're going to party. This is not just an afterthought. This is, I want the very best. I want this to be big because I'm celebrating something that is very, very important. And this really, I think, gives you the key into, like looking into the father's heart, like yeah. what does he really feel? How does he feel about the return of the son? It wasn't like, oh, I'm glad he's finally back. I mean, this is, oh, I can't believe he's home. And it's, he's so moved that he goes to this, you know, totally exuberant celebration to show that to them.
1: Community. It made me think we should probably throw a party for Dad and just see how our Dad parties. <laughs> it would be so cool just to see uh, a Dad party. and I know that this Dad is like loving it. And I, I I do I love your heart there on the why, but the thing I look at is also the who. Um, the the servant comes back and he says specifically he says, um, you know like what's going on. He says we are celebrating. Your father has killed the fatted calf and we are celebrating because if it was a party with just the the dad and son, a two person party is kind of lame. But the dad says, "Listen, everybody in the house, ever, all of the servants, all of the workers, everybody that has any reason to be connected to any of this is going to party. Like everybody, it's a holiday, vacation. You know, stop working. Let's let's party. Let's have some fun." And so the we are partying reminds me, and I know you probably feel this as a pastor. At your church, I feel the same way. A lot of times people give us credit because we're the ones preaching, like, oh, somebody got saved today, somebody had a life change, or this marriage got restored, or something great happened. And we see God working, people are like, Oh, well, you know, you you know, like th- that's because of you know, pastoring and, and preaching. And although that's a that's a part, that's not the only part. Like everybody in our churches can celebrate when somebody comes back to God. Yeah. I mean,
2: it's it's totally a group effort, it's a it's a team event. And you know, on a Sunday morning, there's there's so many key elements that go into somebody's faith story, and their experience starts you know from their friend that invites them, the person on the lot, the person at the door, the person maybe helping with the kids, the person giving out the coffee, the the person that just welcomes them and says, hey, I'm glad to see you here this Sunday. Yeah. The the then you have the people that get on stage and those that lead worship, those that do the announcements, and then obviously the message part of that. It you know it kind of reminds me of of a Super Bowl win because when when you have a Super Bowl team. It's not just the quarterback and the starters that get the Super Bowl ring. I mean, everybody in that whole organization gets their ring. The trainers, people behind the scenes, the coaches, the people in the front office. I mean, everybody's celebrating. I mean, when somebody comes to Christ in a service in our church, yeah. I mean, literally, when point. people run up to you and be like, "Hey, did you hear? So and so got saved." Like our response should be, "I want to go to Disneyland," because it, it really should be that exciting. Yeah. Because it's a whole team effort. Everybody's involved. The whole group. It's not just one person that's doing this. God is using the church as a team to
1: reach those lost people. I think if our family was a team, I'd probably be the running back or the wide receiver or the quarterback. I'd probably be all three of those. You would probably be the lineman. Um, <laughs> Joey would probably be the water boy, you know? I can see Judd or Jeremy I know, he a could coach. be a kicker because he likes to whine when people pretend that yeah, like they hit him. Yeah, that's true, that's true, that's true. Melissa would be a coach. Jeremy would be a coach, you know, something like that. So uh, I can see our family doing that. I mm-hmm. definitely would be whatever the most muscular position is. Um, but uh, what about the person that says, I, I'm not one to celebrate, Pastor, that's uh, that's for you, that's for other people, I'm just not, I'm not that kind of a happy person, I'm I'm just kind of solemn or a grump or whatever, like the people that would say that, that they don't have a responsibility to celebrate.
2: You know, I think those would probably be the same people that when uh, their team scores a touchdown, jump up off the couch with all the potato chips all over them. So, I mean, really, it's just a cop out. And even the Bible tells us that like, oh, I'm, I'm just an Eeyore, I'm just, that's just not my personality that doesn't give you an excuse not to be a rejoicer. The Bible tells us in Philippians 4 that we are to rejoice in the Lord always, and then again, I say rejoice. So basically, Paul here is like, I want you to rejoice always. And in case you don't get what I'm trying to say, he says it again, he says, rejoice in the Lord always, and again, I say rejoice. Just for those people that think that they get the excuse that they're not gonna be the ones that are gonna be getting all excited about it. I mean, it doesn't mean you have to do a cartwheel. But honestly just coming up to somebody and like shaking their hand, giving them a hug and being like, Hey, I'm so excited for you, that is a great yeah. way to rejoice. You don't not everybody rejoices in the same way. Um, but the Bible says that we all need to be doing that.
1: So what is what is the the, the second point and the takeaway from, from this story? If, if if we know the why and the who, well what's something that that these guys could write down or, or remember as far as reconnecting and, and, and studying this? Well, I think it's you know, celebrating
2: others' victories, it kills our own selfishness. Oh, that's good. When we are celebrating with other people when we are excited to see other people do well then we stop going whoa it's me and we stop being jealous well oh, i wish i had that when you're like hey i'm yeah i'm preach. so i'm so excited that you've won the lottery because you're my brother and i'm sure you're going to give me a lot of it <laughs> you know i mean it's that mentality it's, you you shift when you start celebrating others yeah. and you you begin to kill that selfishness
1: inside. See, I think that's true. That rings true in your marriage. Celebrate when something positive happens for that other person. It rings, Think about your workplace. What if you started celebrating when, you're, when your coworker gets a sale? And you're like, well, I work on commission. And if they got it, then I didn't get it. Stop thinking about what you didn't get. That's the selfishness creeping out. When you start being happy for other people and celebrating other people, you're right. It will it will take away the selfishness that grows inside of you. You can't celebrate them and be selfish. You're going to pick one or the other. And I think often we pick the wrong part. you got to remember, as, as my brother read verse uh, number 7, from the story of the lost sheep. Verse number 10, when Jesus tells the story of the lost coin, after the lady finds it, he says, in the same way there is joy in the presence of God's angels, even when one sinner repents, when just one sinner repents, we're supposed to get excited. So like, as far as church goes, and and maybe right now during quarantine, so many people being, depressed and whining and scared and, and afraid. What if, why don't you stop doing that and start being excited about what God's doing in other people's life? Maybe your life isn't perfect. Maybe you didn't make the sale. Maybe uh, your brother, you know, hat, got a nicer house than you. I don't know. But what if we did more celebrating their wins and, and living in the fact that God says one person comes to Jesus, all of heaven throws a party. I mean, if you're gonna, if you want to know what it, what you're supposed to do for all eternity, get used to partying here on Earth because that's your job later on for like all of eternity—just partying and celebrating people who come to know Jesus. This is what it says in Psalm sixteen, eleven: "You will show me the way of life, granting me the joy of your presence." and the pleasures of living with you forever the joy of your presence and the pleasure of you, of living with you like this is what god has called us to, to to have joy and to live in this pleasure and so why why don't we start doing more celebrating i think that would help us be more connected uh, right now let me move on verse number 28 in the story of the prodigal son and his brother it says the older brother was angry how sad is this the older brother was angry and wouldn't go in his father came out and begged him i mean begged him to come back in so we we see this man we see this really this really sad sad part of the story where the brother doesn't celebrate with the dad he doesn't celebrate with the the servants And, and so what what can we learn from that
2: you know i think it's interesting that you know we look at these two brothers and we we think of one as the prodigal and one as the good older brother that stayed but really they're they're two sides of the same coin Because you have one brother who physically leaves and goes off into another city and, you know, he goes to Vegas. He's going to party it up. He's going to do all the crazy stuff. Then you have the other brother who stays home and he's supposed to be close to dad. But one was physically far from dad and the other one was just as far away from him emotionally and spiritually as the other one. They were both completely separated from their fathers. And it it was not just
1: the the physical distance, but there's that emotional and that spiritual distance as well. Oh man, that'll preach. How many? How, how true is that of everybody? And I think that's Jesus's point talking to the Pharisees: is that you know, listen, it, this this idea that you can be around the Father and that makes everything okay, it doesn't. So, so what I would like you guys to write down and a point I think we, we would like to make from this story right here is that proximity doesn't necessarily mean relationship. That's right. Just because. You are going to church, or because you're do you're saying the right thing. That doesn't mean that you have the Father's heart. Or just because maybe in the proximity, some some of you live in the same town as your brothers and sisters, or you know you're you're, you're walking around people at the workplace. Just because you're around them a lot, and I know right now in quarantine, maybe you're not around them, but being being close to somebody. Proximity-wise doesn't mean you're actually close to them. There are so many marriages right now. My heart breaks because some of you are quarantined with a spouse that you are so distant from. You've never had a time in your marriage where you've been this close, this long, and yet you are so distant in, in your heart. So this right. this rings true for marriages, for friendships, for brothers and sisters, for uh, you know all kinds of different relationships. Just because you're you're there next to them doesn't mean you're actually close with them. So maybe you should spend some time drawing near to them. Um, maybe you should find some time leaning into them. The fact that Jesus is saying this to to spiritual people, I man, it's probably the saddest part of the story. He's preaching this to the Pharisees who start off in verses one and two by complaining that Jesus is being nice to sinners. He's telling this story to them. They are the the older brother. And sometimes you and I are the older brother. And it reminds me of in Matthew, where Jesus is talking about how there's going to be people one day who spend their life saying they're living for God. And when they get to heaven in Matthew chapter seven, verse number 23, God tells them, Depart from me, for I never knew you. I didn't. I didn't know you. We didn't have a relationship. You did things, you know, in, in, as being a Christian. You did things as following God, but you, you you really weren't ever close to me. I mean, how how sad is that going to be?
2: Yeah, and that's the thing. These people, they think that they are close, yeah, but and they're not. not. Yeah. God says they're not. This brother thought that he was close, but we see he's just as far away as the brother was before.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Would you read verse twenty nine for us?
2: Verse number 29 says, But he replied, All these years I have slaved for you and never once refused to do a single thing that you have told me. In all that time, you never gave me even one young goat for a feast with my friends.
1: Yeah. A little bit a little bit of comparison there again, a little bit of a whining, a little bit of jealousy. Yeah, I mean, you see a lot.
2: Yeah, I mean, like, who would have thought that the goat would be such a prized thing to, to have, you know?
1: What do you, what do you get, Judd, out of this uh, from the the older brother's reaction um, as far as what I mean we obviously know he should have responded better but what can we learn from how this negative response what can we learn from verse 29 as far as what it it could have been
2: well I think if you go back to the beginning as we were talking about you know the younger brother had this jealousy probably of his older brother he was gonna get the inheritance he had all the prestige and so he takes what he thinks is his and he goes and he does what he wants with it and he was being selfish and now you flip it around in verse number 29, and the older brother is being selfish too. Now he's saying, well, wait a minute. That's part of my inheritance now. That's my goat that you're giving to the younger brother. And he's being just as selfish as the younger brother was at the beginning of the story. Because they both have a heart condition here. They both have there's, Their insides are, are now beginning to come out, and you're beginning to see who they really are. And they both really are far from the father. I mean, Philippians, or Ephesians chapter 4 talks about jealousy and and what it does and how it flushes out. And I think Philippians or Ephesians really shows us what the older brother sounds like here in Luke. It says, Get rid of all bitterness and rage and anger and harsh words and slander as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Both of these brothers at one point were missing the fact that the Father had forgiven them. And when you understand the forgiveness of the father, that begins to change things. And you're not holding on to all that jealousy because that jealousy, man, it just, it breeds a lot of nasty stuff. And that nasty stuff begins to come out. And that's what you're seeing there in verse number tw- 29, when he's
1: whining about the goats. So, uh, and I know 29 and 30 go together and I'll get to verse 30 in a second, but what is the main takeaway for 29 and 30? What's the, what's the point that these guys can remember and, and take with them? You know, I think it's that forgiveness brings freedom. But jealousy breeds brokenness. Yeah, that's that's good. That I think that we we've seen that. I know in in uh, even in our, our own family. I know I've struggled with that. Uh, I know when I, in counseling sessions, I'm sitting with people. If they could just see that saying, you know, I'm sorry, and allowing somebody to say I'm sorry, and actually forgiving them, letting go of that resentment, that debt, forgiving somebody. How much freedom would they find? How much? I mean, how much? How much better would their life be? And what it does is it it keeps them from going down that road of jealousy. Uh, So what you see in verse 29 is he's complaining about his dad giving him, uh, not even giving him a goat. Like he does all of this. Look at all I did. And then in verse 30, he follows it up by saying, yet this son of yours comes back after squandering your money on prostitutes, and you celebrate by giving him a fatted calf. So in the first verse that, that Pastor Judd read, uh, the 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 older brother is talking about how the younger brother um, got all the stuff and how he never got he never got to have a party he never got to have this and he, all he did was work hard and so we see him having a lack of forgiveness and it brings jealousy. Then when I, and what we're saying here in this part that freedom that forgiveness brings freedom but jealousy breeds brokenness. Look at the brokenness that comes in the very next verse. He's, he as soon as he as soon as he doesn't forgive he immediately starts trashing his brother to his father. Like you're gonna let him celebrate? You're gonna give it him? You know what he did? He took all your money, he wasted it, and he spent it on prostitutes. He just starts, in one quick verse, he starts slamming his brother. He starts gossiping, slandering, throwing him under the bus. And there's something inside all of us, if we're honest, when we get disconnected from people and we allow jealousy to come in, we allow that bitterness, What happens? We begin to devolve. We begin to fall more and more into our sin nature, our brokenness. How quickly have you been, uh, how, how easy has it been for you to just start slamming somebody to be like, oh. Well, you know about her and you know about him. Oh, he only made that sell because he lies to the customers. Oh, you know about her, she only got that because she she flirted with this person. Oh, you know that, and like we begin to make reasons why they have what they have. We begin to talk trash about them. Is it any surprise that we're disconnected from some of our old friends, Some from some of our family members, from some of our coworkers? We're so quick to be broken, to to, to live in that, that jealousy, that hatred, that gossip. Man, this is, this is killing your relationships. Remember what Proverbs 17 verse nine, number nine says. Love prospers when a fault is forgiven. Love, and we talked about this not that long ago, perfect love casts out fear. A lot of us are afraid of what's going on. If we would just love more, if we would have the love of Christ shining through us more. And in Proverbs 17, what it's saying there is love prospers. It's going to grow when you learn to forgive, when you let go of a fault. The second half of that verse is exactly what we're talking about, dwelling on it. And how many times have we seen people that want to dwell on something, uh, a sin or a mistake? Somebody did them wrong 10 years ago and they still bring it up. They're still talking about, oh, when you do this, it, dwelling on it separates close friends. And you could write the word in brothers, spouses, kids, coworkers, whatever, fill in the blank. When you dwell on past mistakes, you're, you're making, you're, you're putting a cancer into your relationships and you're making it so hard for you to move forward and be connected again. When you
2: dwell on those things, it's a little like you're just taking brick after brick after brick of all those things that you start accusing people of. And all you're doing is just building a wall between you and that person. It's it's gonna separate you, it's gonna cut you off.
1: So we're almost done with the story. We've got two verses left. Jed, would you read them for us?
2: His father said to him, look, dear son, you have always stayed by me and everything I have is yours. We had to celebrate this happy day for your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost. But now he is
1: found. I think it's, it's crazy that he says, everything I have is yours. The brother is so upset about a, one little ring, and a pair of sandals, and a robe, and a, and a cow. And the dad's like, buddy, you all of the cows are yours. And all of this stuff is going to be you. You've got everything. Your brother wasted all of this stuff. Why are you upset about me giving him a little bit just to redeem him and celebrate him? You've had, got so much. And, and I think it shows us a beautiful picture of who the father is, like you mentioned earlier.
2: It really, it really does. I mean, you see that the, the the younger brother even said, I want to come home and just be a servant. Like, he didn't even want to come back and get that inheritance. He just wanted to come back and be with dad. And the older brother, he has all that inheritance. And he, the dad's saying, everything I have is yours. And the brother's still not seeing it. And I think when you look at these these three parables, you're seeing that heart of God, that he is that forgiving and loving father that he wants to restore. He wants to take the disconnected and reconnect it. And we see that over and over again in all three of these parables. You know, it's been said that this is the parable of the lost son. But really, this could be called the parable of the lavish father. Because the father here, he just exudes forgiveness. He exudes grace. He has one son who literally spat in his face and walked away and said, I don't want anything to do with you. And the other son, basically had been lying to his face the whole time saying, Dad, I love you, I'm not leaving your side, but when things are really revealed, he didn't love his father, he was just there for the inheritance and didn't even care about his dad. But once again, the father here is saying, everything is yours, I still love you. So whether you are an out-and-out rebellious, crazy, do my own thing, forget about God type mentality, or you're the, I'm gonna stay at church and do everything I'm supposed to do, but you really don't love God, you're kind of two-faced and hypocritical, it doesn't matter which camp you're in, we're all, you either really in one of those. The father says, I still love you. I still care about you. I think that's such a beautiful thing.
1: It is. And and as we lean into it, the, the takeaway, the final takeaway from this story would be simply that, that, that family is going to be found in the father. And I, I said this last week, and I want to say this again. Some of you don't have a good earthly father. Some of you come from broken families. Some of you, the only father figure you know was either absent or abusive. And I'm really sorry because that that person failed you and and missed out on an opportunity to demonstrate to you what a heavenly father is like. And and our heavenly father never fails us. He never abandons us. And so even if you haven't ever experienced that kind of love, you can today through through what your heavenly father has for you, through what God has for you. Uh, I think a lot of us misunderstand the prodigal son story. Um, it is a story of redemption, but it's not a, it's not a pass to go be a jerk. It's not a like, go do whatever you want. God will always forgive you. It's you're missing out on the best part of having a father, which is to be a part of a family, to have brothers, to have a relationship with a God who loves you, to draw close to that. Some of our disconnectedness from our fellow man, our brothers and sisters, and some of the, the man, some of the disconnect that we have from God is what's making us miss out on this family. And, and, and that man, that how sad is that? I I think you hit the nail on the head when it talks about how we live. A lot of us, we live so rebellious. Uh, We act like bastards and we live that way. And the truth of the matter is that even living like that, you still get a chance to have a relationship with a a father. As much as we rebel against our Heavenly Father and push away and say, I don't want you or I know better than you or what I want is what's more important, he still welcomes us back and he still wants us to be a part of that family and then that that it's that relationship where we come back to the father that allows us to have relationships where we can mend fences with our own families with our, our friends with enemies who have hurt us once we understand what god does to welcome us back and to forgive us then we can start to model that for other people
3: exactly.
1: and man i think that's a powerful thing a lot of you are disconnected right now not just because of the quarantine but because of past decisions past mistakes And so uh, we're gonna pray here in just a minute. Before we do, I want you to just let the message from today, the words, the story, kind of uh, sink in a little bit. I've asked the band to sing a song for us. I've asked them to uh, lead us in worship. And maybe you want to worship at home, sing it out loud, raise your voice if you want to do that. And if you're like, "Nah, I'm not a singer, I'm not gonna do that," you can cross your arms and just sit back and listen. Let the let the words fall over you. Let today's message come over you. Let. Let God reach into your heart and show you where you've been distant from him and where you can start making amends in some of your other relationships. There's a line in the song that says, open my eyes and wonder and show me who you are. You and I are spending so much time looking for who we are that we forget to ask God, show me God what kind of father you are, what kind of person you are. Show me who you are. And it says, fill me with your love to those around me. I promise you that a lot of your disconnect, a lot of your broken relationships is because you have a love for self and you're missing out on the the father's love for others. And when you have his love for you and his love for others, man, your relationship begins to get, get mended. So I want you to lean into this song as we worship and then we'll come back and pray. thank you guys for singing with us and worshiping with us. Well, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Uh, I'm going to pray out loud. Maybe you pray right there quietly. I know Pastor Judd's going to be praying for everybody that's watching this. If you need to make a decision right now, why don't you go to God? Even in the quiet of this moment, you're sitting on your couch. Maybe you're listening to this as you're driving in your car on the podcast or whatever. Uh, Wherever you're at, whenever it is that you're hearing this message, what if right now you drew close to God? What if right now you asked for forgiveness from your father and, and, and accepted his love for you, and then asked him to help you love some of the people that you're distant from. Help you love a, a parent or a child, a brother or a sister, a neighbor, a friend, a coworker, a past friend. Why don't you open yourself up to God? I, I promise that if you do that, he'll not only love you back and forgive you, but he'll also strengthen you and show you ways that you can love those around you. Let's pray. Dear only Father, Lord God, we thank you for today. We thank you for the story. Of, uh, of a father who loves um, all kinds of people, both sons. He loves the son that walked away and he loved the son whose, whose mindset and, and heart was broken. God, and he loves, it's such a picture of how he loves all of us, how you love all of us, how how no matter where we're at today, no matter who who uh, uh, is listening and, and how badly we've screwed up, God, you love us and you want so much for us if we'll just come back to you. I pray over every person listening i pray over over every person that's uh that's heard this story that these verses are are just echoing in their heart god i pray that they would draw close to you that they would find forgiveness from their heavenly father and god i pray for the relationships that are broken god i know that there's somebody watching who they they don't have a relationship with their brother or their sister god i know there's somebody watching who is who has cut ties with their parents they've cut ties with a kid, they've cut ties with a co-worker, a past friend. God, they, there's so much time that has passed, so many bridges that have been burned, uh, that it would take a miracle. And God, I know that you supply those and that it's your love. It's your perfect love that can that can bridge this, that can take the disconnected and make him feel a part of something again. So God, first and foremost, we confess that we've been distant from you. God, we ask that you would forgive us and draw us close. I pray for the person who needs to embrace you as their Lord and Savior. I pray for the person who needs to confess their sins and invite you into their life. God, you said if we would just open up our heart and let you be the one in control, let you be in the driver's seat, that you would save us. And so I pray for the person that needs to make that decision right now. And God, I also pray for the person that needs uh, to, to find your love and share that with others. God, there's so many of, of us, myself included, we're guilty of not loving people the way we should. We, we hold on to bitterness and jealousy and we don't forgive. and We don't celebrate wins. And God, we're so quick to gossip. We're so quick to make excuses. And what we should do is we should model you and your forgiveness and your love. Help each and every one of us to do that more. And God, would you help us restore some of these broken and lost relationships? We pray all of this in your precious and holy name. Amen. If you'd like to support the ministries of Harbor
3: as we bring the hope of Jesus to our community and around the world, you can visit harperchurch.com
0: slash give or text any amount to 84321. Thanks for listening. See you next week.